Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Rebecca Atkinson-Lord. Welcome to The Legacy Tapes. This is a series of conversations exploring ideas of legacy and how to leave something behind in the ephemeral medium of theatre. I'm here today at Camden People's Theatre talking to Ian Bloomfield, the Artistic Director of Theatre in the Mill in Bradford. Right. Hello, Ian. <laughs> so when you started in your current job at, at Theatre in the Mill, yeah. because you've been through lots of different iterations of what you do, yeah. um, what, what was it that you wanted to achieve? What did, you, did you have an idea of what you thought you wanted to leave behind when, it, when you left? Yeah, I think I did... Um a very definite, if not wholly formed plan. Um, I kind of, uh, I've worked in reps, I've directed in reps, I've run a venue before, which was attached to number one touring venue, um, and had a kind of education outreach and um, a theatre company and kind of Asian provision attached to that. Um, I'd run my own company, um, or at least I was a part of a, um, theatrical cooperative um, and I kind of knew I had, uh, all of that had sort of formed fairly strong ideas about what I wanted to do and that was sort of change how theatre was done change how it was made um, change what it, well, I think focus not necessarily change but focus what it was there for um, and I kind of very much into the idea that um, theatre is a place where we come together to think differently mm-hmm. um, and that didn't seem to be um, informing how work was made particularly Okay, so can you tell me cause you, from what to what you're changing from how was it and how did you want it to be? Well, um, shows banged out in three weeks and then turned <laughs> endlessly um, work that kind of didn't seem to this is really overstating the point I think but it's work that didn't seem to care massively about its audience mm-hmm. work that was done for people rather than with people um, I think we got into a very um, I don't think I was defining it at this time but kind of very neoliberal capitalist exchange about work mm. uh, and actually talking to Chris Good a number of years ago kind of crystallised that for me let's not remake capitalism I think we really were yeah um, and kind of making shiny things in exchange for getting money <laughs> um, and you know I don't think theatre started off from that point I don't think at its most powerful moments it has been about that mm. um, so I was increasingly uncomfortable with just the sausage factoryness of it really yeah. um, and also um, the venue was very much a new writing venue and I was I'm not a 
particularly writer. In fact, I'm banging my head till he's bloody on a desk trying to actually write a play at the moment because I didn't <laughs> write for devising, but I can't with this one. Um, certainly in this situation of the piece. Um, but I'm very aware that theatre does, doesn't just start from writers, it starts from all sorts mm. of different places. So I wanted the theatre to be able to really celebrate that and to really talk um, with audiences about the significance of work or otherwise, how it lands with them, why it lands with them, what the politic of it is, um, and uh, to really celebrate the fact that theatre is a political thing. It's a place where we come together to think collectively, and that seems seemed um, to also be um, being lost. So it wasn't just theatre that was losing that, it was the world that was losing those collective mm. places of thinking. Um, and I think that that were pretty deliberate. <clears throat> yeah, because then we can't collectively think this is shit. Let's yeah, change absolutely. it. Absolutely, you know, we're very sort of much being, um, you know, kind of being driven apart. And uh, I think the work was reflecting that, to be honest. And it feels like the work that you've been—I mean, I can see that change. That's not the work that you make at all, and that's not how you make work. So, well done, brilliant, good, good achievement. Um, what? What do you do? Do you see a, a wholesale change or, or a really notable change in, in the wider ecology in terms of because because I'm really aware of knowing some of the people that you work with, like that they do make work with people, not for people, and all of those things you're doing. Do you think there's still a sense of neoliberal capitalist sausage making and the rest of the ecology, or do you think that's changing? I think it's changing slowly, um, and there are bits of it that are still there. I was at a yeah. um, theatre review meeting in the Arts Council a little while ago. Mm. There was a very sharp divide in the room um, between those who were thinking of social capital and those who weren't thinking of social capital, and you know that's nobody's fault. I think the funding system pushes people towards. You know, we were told then Pierre was going to allow us to thrive not survive and it hasn't to do with that I don't think so um, there are certain places and spaces where I'm sure it's the um, it's the very fact of the financial bottom line that pushes them towards that but there was a very 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 clear divide in the room quite shocking mm. um, half the room talking about ticket yield and half the, t- half the room talking about people um so I spent my whole life banging <coughs> my head against that brick wall and uh, recently had a series of conversations about... This shouldn't go in the podcast. Um, recently had a series of conversations about uh, the future of an, of, of, a, of an art centre, a regional art centre, and, and what the future should look like. And there was at no point in the conversation any acceptance that art and business had to happen in symbiosis. It was all about let's have a really great shop and let's make money and then if you want to tiddle around the corners yeah. with some of your arty shit, that's yeah. fine. But you're because you're attached to university, so do you find is that is that less agonising for yes, you? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm hugely grateful, and I do absolutely understand that you know I and who follows me has been given that. An enormous opportunity to think differently because we're free of those constraints. 
Um, we were set up in the um, in the radical sixties. We're a white heated technology university. We're a science and technology university. There's no arts degrees there at all. Mm. Certainly no performing or fine arts degrees there at all. But our founding vice chancellor was a mate of um, Harold Wilson's and a card holding an engineer and a card-holding member of the Communist Party mm. who just thought that it was really important that artists and the way artists think had a presence in both the city and the university. And they set up fellowships and those fellowships have turned into venues and we've been really seriously, you know, financially supported to be able to do that. And I think the university has forgotten periodically why we're there. Mm. Um, but... I think if I've had any success at the university, it's, it's reminding them that that's the case and that that matters. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but again, the, you know, the old model kind of wasn't working um, because it wasn't really creating the space to think. It was putting a lot of things in front of people to let them make of it what they wish, mm. which is kind of one way of thinking, but it's not. Yeah. It's not necessarily a useful way. It's not thinking. a muscular way of thinking. No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, obviously Bradford is a um, is famously multicultural. Oh. Um, and there's a radical politic going on in that city, and there always has been. It's always been a place of sort of, of, of radical thinking, whether that radical... Th- um, in fact, that, all, that radical thinking is has always been troublesome um, and it continues to be troublesome but history kind of teaches us that the troublesome thinking of today becomes the what we know tomorrow mm. um, so places that offers a place of conversation around some of those troubling ideas it's vital it's absolutely vital um and you know we regularly get threatened for what we do, <laughs> um, which is always fun. How do you... <coughs> really threatened? Yeah, threatened with being burnt down and stuff. I mean, it never happens, but... Uh, touch all the wood. Touch all the wood. Um, how... I mean, how does that feel? Well, I think... Um, like you're doing it right, I guess. I think, like, yeah, you're doing it right. If, and it's, you know, it's not one side or the other, it's... Mm. Periodically, absolutely everybody has that. <laughs> Which, you know, again, that's exactly what we should be. You know, we should be prodding people. Come, come, mm. think better about it. So let's let's just have a look at it. You know, you can't um, you can't move forward unless you actually take seriously what your opponent thinks. <laughs> really think yeah. about it seriously, and I think um, the left in particular, although I think all shades of political opinion have gotten very very flabby mm. about really thinking about yeah. what they think and what other people think yeah. and treating that with some respect mm. um, so to be a kind of troublesome space is um, a thorough, thorough joy actually it's a great word troublesome I really like that um, yeah so and it's you know it's it's the artists we work with are almost without exception um, really care so they're not asking questions to be difficult they're mm. asking difficult questions yeah 
um, and sometimes coming up with conclusions or solutions. Well, no, it's never a solution, is it? But a conclusion that you know is troubling. <clears throat> a brilliant show, um, Pauline Mayer's um, "What If I Told You," which was about um, what it's like to be black and repeatedly invisible. Mm. Um, but the discussion kind of went into areas of because we we were talking quite frankly in the room about race and um, definitions of race and historicity of race, um, and we kind of got to then to sort of talking about race in relation to gender, and again hugely, hugely, hugely kind of troubling, powerful. Mm. You know what? What if there is? You know, in the same way as we start to question. Gender binaries. There are very few people who are purely black or purely white. So actually, just starting to talk about spectrums on that started to liberate a really, really interesting. And actually, within the generation, everybody will be. There will genuinely be a a, pardon the crudity, but a Pantone scale of people, And, and there's no way that you can kind of polarize identity anymore. And how do we? tell how do we how do we tell stories in ways that work for everyone but then also how do you serve because that means that everyone has a different need and it's so much easier when people behave nicely and sit in boxes damn them um yeah that's that's i mean that's i think that's what's really exciting in the next generation well i think um i was listening to the velvet underground on the way down here and i kind of just got thinking that um, all sorts of songs about transgendered people that mm. Lou Reed was writing in the mid to late 60s mm. you know, Radical Art has that place, it does that thinking mm. years and years and years and years before the rest of the world sort of catches up with them and that's, that's its value yeah. Um, yeah and you get to be genuinely radical at Bradford that's the brilliance of it yeah because we're offered this, you know, we're offered the space um because it's a you know because it's a university, but because it's not because we're not part of the tour provision. Now I've I've um, and again this is not kind of knocking any other you know any other venue, but those um, those spaces that do house tour provision mm. kind of have to sit within a kind of curriculum and a you know yeah. A, a, and just the shape that a curriculum gives you, we can go absolutely anywhere, do absolutely mm. anything, um, with no reference to anything other than um, a place to play, a place to think. Mm. I'm really kind of anti also the idea that, you know, that kind of romantic notion that artists think great thoughts and then turn those great thoughts into great things. There's a lot more of the artisan to everything mm. than we allowed for a very, very long time, mm. um, you know, which is why, whilst I'm not anti-written work, you know, I think the way we had got to got towards to treating writers within the theatre got really problematic. Mm. Um, you know, there was an only begetter of work and how do you question it mm. all. And actually anybody in that space is creating the meaning, Absolutely. including the audience. Absolutely. And the, and the cat that wanders Absolutely. And, you know, again, one of the things, one of the sort of, one of the defining points of the work that I, I, I programme, and it comes out of sort of personal interest, is just the liveness of the experience. How much are you either sitting there or walking through it or holding a, 
Mm. <laughs> piece of paper, yay or nay. Yeah. You know, uh, up about it, how much are you actually present, present in the room and how much does your presence count? Um, and that seems to me... And you can do that, you know, sitting in the dark watching something. Mm. That's, it's perfectly possible mm. to do that as much as it is to, you know, go on a walk through tunnels. Um, but it's got to be important. It's got to be a reciprocity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you another question now. Um, how do you think, like, in terms of when you're thinking about what you're doing and what you're programming and the art you want to make and support, <clears throat> do you think in terms of day-to-day success or do you think in terms of long-term impact, like... Are you, are you shooting for now or are you shooting for 20 years? Both. Or neither. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Explain. Um, there are some people you just have to open the door for. Mm. Um, and they will pop out. I'm Selena Thompson's a, yeah. a perfect example of that. Yes. You know? And they will storm through the door. They will and storm then through the door and they will do storm Conquer everything in front of it, yeah. As soon as they get there. But... Um, there are other people who it, it just takes longer for them to work on what they mean and mm. you know where they get there. We did, um, and it's you know it's not just it's not necessarily about the about the art, but about the model and the models of engagement. Um, I remember one artist; um, she could play to eight people at night. A really, really, really tiring show. So she could only do a show every other night. Mm. Um, I had a hilarious conversation with her afterwards about you know, how you turn that into a sustainable business model. Well, yeah. you don't, do no. you? No. Um, but what she got from that, she's turning into much bigger, much more kind of people engaging processes. Mm. So she kind of needed to do some working out around that. So it absolutely depends on, on the artist. But, um, you know, what, defining questions of artists when you know, they, can, they say, you know, they ask me if they want to work at the mill are kind of why here mm. why Bradford why this particular space mm. um, and also you know what are you going to get out of this yeah what's your intention what are you trying to do so I'll happily work with you know people that are just really kind of beginning to think um, I, I programmed people I've never seen um, and I do that because I kind of think I've got quite good at sitting down and just having a conversation mm. with people. Because every, well, almost everybody's got one bloody brilliant channel. Yeah. And also, there's a thing. So actually, if you start talking principles, yeah, not not immediate practice and stuff you see, yeah, um, then you, I think you're into much, 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 much richer territory. Yeah. So. You know, what are you trying to do? Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to sort of say? What are you exploring? If you have, um, if you're doing this because we're a kind of development space, what questions have you got around the work? Why are you sharing that with an audience? Because the, the conversation with an audience is not, it's, you know, it, it's absolutely vital, but if somebody says they don't want to do that, I have taken on pieces of work I've done that, but I kind of always question them because I kind of go, well, why then are you... There are any number why of can't spaces. you do this alone in your bedroom? <clears throat> why can't you do this alone? I mean, it's not that they don't necessarily... They, they haven't got stuff to share and thoughts to share, but I kind of wonder why this is the form for them. Mm. Yes. 
So what questions have you got? What questions have you got an audience and what what will do in your piece, do you think? Mm. How will that take it forward? Because, you know, in fact, I'm getting more militant as I get older about the work shouldn't be finished. It shouldn't be finished at there in the mill because mm. actually it doesn't then present a shiny face to an audience. Yeah. It presents a... A question. A, a fractured thing, you know, a porous, porous is probably better mm. word, porous space in which you can have a meaningful conversation. Yeah. If you've done your thinking, well, you've done your thinking, but that's not that's not for us. And there are any number of spaces in which you can show your mm. word. Um, so I've got more militant about not taking in work that is in, in, in development, unless I've got, I'm really, really, really sure that it's going to add something to the conversation. Because I kind of think that what I'm trying to do is not put together a programme of work, but sort of stimulate a kind of multifaceted mm. conversation between artists, between people, between, you know, the city and the university, between, you know, all sorts. What, what is this world in which we live? Why on earth are we doing what mm. we do in it, you know? That's really interesting because I quite often ask artists, like, if I'm an audience member and I this thing that you don't know what it is, how do you want it to change me? How do you want me to leave changed? Because yeah. that's you know that's the that's the question, right? Yeah. That's the um, and actually I really rarely ask them how are you going to leave change and may, and I should. Mm. I wonder why I haven't been doing that. I'll still that off you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. It's all creative comments, all of it. Because, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, it, I said, you know, I said I sort of, I knew how to, you know, had an idea, but actually it comes out of the longer it's gone on, the more I've had conversations with other artists, and there are sort of several people involved in that, people like um, Alan Lane from Slung Low, um, Richie Warburton from Invisible Flock, you know, they've all been really central to just kind of working out what, if we're, you know, we're doing it. Oh, say fuck, say fuck, it's great, we <laughs> but, can do that. Okay, cool. Yes, what the fuck we're doing, you know, and what the fuck it means. And, yeah. <clears throat> and you know, we, um, we've kept it, we kept it quiet for a very, very long time because I don't think, you know, either the funders, well, any yeah. of the funders would have let us do it if they knew what we were trying to do. Because <laughs> it did, you know, it was so different to what, what was understood, Yeah, I think. I mean, this is 13 years ago. Now, yeah, um, and certainly, I mean, there certainly were sort of spaces elsewhere, but in, you know, in the north of England, particularly in a city like Bradford, that starts to look pretty dangerous, particularly mm. two years after really, really, mm. really major riots. Mm. You know, to create a space that's deliberately problematic and politically radical and give spaces to, yeah. you know, um, where, where they actually could burn you down, yeah, yeah, um you know, would have been problematic. But actually, um, you know, our politicians perpetually tell us that there are things that we can't think about and the reasons for those riots happening were because things Because we're not we allowed to fucking think about them. Yeah, we're not allowed to think about what talk that about happens. them in a collective Absolutely. space. Absolutely. But actually, you know, it's... A, it's a, we've got, you know, the University of Bradford has the world's first peace studies department... Um, you know, so radical the fact mm. you tried to shut it down in the eighties. Yeah. You know, so there is a there is a history and their kind of fellow travellers around, and you know, real deep engagement. But I think art gives you 
but it's no, no better or worse than academia, but it just gives a different context and a different space, mm. which I think allows you to think differently. Absolutely. And I wonder, I, I worry sometimes about the world of academia that it, it doesn't necessarily offer too many spaces for genuine mm. radical thinking. And also, I think radical feeling because yeah. because we have this ridiculous thing where where reason is separate from emotion and instinct and that's complete bullshit all of our intellectual decisions are made instinctively it's just then we put a, a, an intellectual framework on them and i i really think that we can you can affect change so much more effectively so put it through allowing someone to experience and feel and respond and then go what the hell is that we've got a really definite process of talking to audiences about work and it all starts off with essential what did you see what did you hear what Mm. did you you smell even that will stick with you yeah that you will carry away with you and then so how did that make you what do those things make you feel I'm um, I'm very much of the opinion that we um we sense, we emote, we intellectualise. Mm. It's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's from your groin through your uh, heart to yeah, your yeah. Edge, you know? Um, and I think that's what the arts can do really well. Yeah. And I, I think... I wonder if there's a, a parallel... And I'm thinking out loud, this isn't a formed thought yet. Um, I, and I wonder if there's a parallel between the, the desire, the urge to package things in that intellectual I can explain this in a soundbite way I mean of course there is and and the, the sausage factory you know the selling because it's because if you don't know what something is you can't sell it you can't put a price on it so there has to be in order to make work that really genuinely communicates and connects in in those visceral ways it's almost impossible to then do that and be a, a, a part of a consumerist model, right? Yeah. So they're screwing us over at every turn with this, with this making money lark. Oh, absolutely. And um, yeah, <laughs> yes, they are, and they, you know, and they're doing it. Um, they're doing it because we're, you know, we've been bought and we we're bought and sold. You know, we hunger mm. after the empty, so we don't. And we've been told to. You know, talk to you for a really long time mm. I'm going to ask you another question um, do you you've talked about you've talked about how you arrived in, in, in a, a theatre in the mill as you are now and I knew what you wanted to change and it was going to be different and you really have it's not it's I don't really think of it as an inviting place or anything at, at all but so it's obviously changed massively to align with your aesthetic do you ever feel a tension between you the artist as an individual and what you might want and what your agenda might be and the organisation and what it might want and what its agenda might be Um, I think again one of the lovely things about Theatre in the Mill coming out of fellowships is it it has it really has been a space for um, firstly practising artists to mm. be running the play. Mm. And then secondly, for them to be pursuing their own particular agendas and having their own particular aesthetics and this, that and the other. And that will and should change when I go. Um, 
So within that particular environment, has there been a tension? No, not particularly, because um, we I, I've commissioned and otherwise supported a huge range of work, mm. some of which I didn't personally like. <laughs> you know, and it's my absolute right to yeah. you know to not to not, to not like, like stuff to not like stuff. But equally, I'm not going to go if I think you are onto something. Mm. Whether I personally it's a fraud or that and the other that. I go with or not, I will support you to make it because mm. it's absolutely your right to make that particular piece of work. The only thing, I guess the only defining thing was well, what are you trying to learn? Mm. What are you exploring here? Mm. What, why and how does having a conversation with people who aren't you help? help? Mm-hmm. Um, am I a huge fan of contemporary dance? No, I am not. But we have co-commissioned some contemporary dance. We have co-commissioned yes. some contemporary dance, and you know, most of it I've absolutely bloody loved when it's you know, mm. when it's it, it's in process. Mm. Because actually, any contemporary dancer who wishes to engage with the what are, what are your questions and how to engage people is a um, this is going to get me so much trouble. Because pretty, <laughs> pretty out there contemporary dance artist, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what do you think? Do you know what your legacy at the mill is? What do you think it might be? Um, I think... Well, I mean, it's not me, but we certainly saved the place. They were huge. When I took it over, it, was, um, it wasn't it was DDA compliant. Um, it had had a gap in leadership, and that had led to um, the place being a really, really crappy state of repair we persuaded the university to put you know a chunky amount of money into it um we have really placed it within the university so the university absolutely understands what its benefit is and that's Mm. that's not me inventing anything that's me actually going our founding fathers did this for a reason this is the reason and the reason isn't about giving shows to people Mm. um it's and about the being another. It's about being another investigatory space of, yeah, tool. Absolutely, you know, where where students and anyone else, and that's a radical thing, mm. you know, because we have no theatre students. Really, yeah. it's just, you know, we've got all our front of house staff are students at the university, and they're biomedical science students, mm. they're archaeologists, they're engineers, they're physiotherapists. But it's the principle that yeah. this this art shit, it's a really useful medium for any human being absolutely. to think about stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Whoa. Absolutely. And, you know, thank God for the 60s. <laughs> and thank God, you know, and I, I have been trying to, you know, recreate that. You know, that permissiveness in the 60s isn't about sex. Mm-hmm. It's actually about permission to think so. Yeah, possibility. <laughs> possibility and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's what the founding fathers of the University of Bradford wanted and all I'm doing is... But, you know, we've, we've really powerfully reminded the university about that and they... You know, they have found all sorts of you know ways to use it, some of which are purely commercial. But you know, because yeah. um, now that education is marketised, now that young people are—I mean, they're products, aren't they? Yeah. Wow. Um, but you know, I have a place, and that place is honoured by those who sit around me in the director of the external affairs in which we sit. And you know, I am, I am. Um, given a place as a voice of radical dissent and I am listened to 
genuinely listened to. God, that's special. Yeah, it is, absolutely. But it's, you know, it's we've been very politely um, saying that that's how it needs to be for years and years mm. and years and years and years. And, and you know, and, and they've listened. And, you know, they've funded a radical arts provision for the last 50 years. That's caps off to remarkable. Them. It is remarkable, yeah. absolutely remarkable. Um, is there so, anywhere else? I don't feel like there's anywhere else. No, I think we're absolutely unique as far as I'm going. Absolutely unique. Um, I keep, you know, I'm not sure I'm percent sure they get quite unique, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're standing there with placards going, you do understand that there is nowhere else like this, and you've, you know, you let this happen. Um, and, you let, <laughs> and you let this happen because actually... Possibly by accident, well, possibly, but you did it. No, the... the, the, the the founding was absolutely deliberate. deliberate, absolutely, totally deliberate. It slipped under the net for many, many years because mm. they had forgotten why it was important. Yeah. You know, um, Ted Edwards was a remarkable, remarkable human being. Do you think if they'd remembered why it was important that there would have been periods where they'd have worked harder to squish it? Yes. Yeah, any question. Um, but it became too, you know, it became too. I mean, we've gone through periods where, frankly, it was just too embarrassing to get rid of us. <laughs> um, which is fine. I can, yeah. you know, I can live with that. But we, you know, I think one of my legacies is that you know we're in a very, very, very much more powerful position as to the mm. why of that and the university understanding the why of that. But that's at least partly because, yeah, you, know, you know, my current boss is, you know, he's a. He's a remarkable man and he's really big into customer relationship management and stakeholder management and all that absolute bullshit. Except for, he goes, who are your stakeholders? Who do you have to include in a conversation? Mm-hmm. And actually you start framing it in those ways and you go, oh, okay, that's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. Kind of what I'm doing. So, you know, we've got, we, we're making sure they absolutely understand. They come and see work. Yeah. And they come and see it. And they come and see it. Which is amazing. And they have conversations with the arts council, with artists, mm. and this, that, and the other. Um, and you know, sometimes it utterly leaves them baffled, but they do, you know, they do get why it matters. And you know, we've 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 started to have great, great, great success with um, you know, putting artists and academics in a room together. So the university is starting to see how how, how actually artists and academics talking to each other can mm. push the boundaries of research. Yeah. And we've had um, Ellie Harrison. We've got a um, uh, recently appointed anniversary chair of um, end of life studies, a guy called Alan Kelly. And we've got a dementia unit, a mm. um, palliative care, care unit, uh, health studies um, department. A really, really kind of radical thinker from Australia. Um, and sat him and Ellie Harrison, who's making the grief series in a room together, and mm. just you know, done. She came way out of her way to thank me for just making that introduction because they were just hitting real genuine creative mm. sparks off each other and there's such power in in those and yeah. those, those that connectivity that kind of happens out of the room just because it's a place of thinking and it's a conversation it's not necessarily a conversation that I curate all of mm. I curate bits of it mm. and go oh you need to be speaking to you know them and because I don't see it I think it's a Program of work, I see it as a 
pool of stuff. <laughs> like, there's, yeah, there's a hand gesture there implying some sort of nebulous blancmange. Um, that it's really easy to go, you know, you can't ride a tiger. You cannot ride a tiger. And then any attempt to ride a tiger mm. is, is foolish. foolish. Um, so don't attempt to ride the tiger. Try and, you know, create interesting things for the tiger to do. So <laughs> bloody eat you, you know? Yeah. It's taking far too far. But, uh, but um, you know, it's all chaos as far as that goes. And mm. that chaos is a brilliant thing. But, chaos, I mean, chaos is useful. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this zips off there and, you know, that zips off, you know, in another way. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're things we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, could, it couldn't have happened if we didn't do what we did. did. Yeah. But it's not ours. I, you know, it, I also, the other thing is we commission and we do not ask a red cent. Um, we take the box office... Mm-hmm when a show's in, you know, in development with us, unless it's an open space, which is early stages, and then the, yeah. the artist, we don't give them money, so they get 100% of yeah, the, box the box office now. Um, when we've actually commissioned, we take the box office, but every single penny of that work after they've left our space is, is theirs. There? We do not ask any get kind of commission or anything on that, because it's my mm-hmm. job... Which is absolutely the right thing. Yeah. That's absolutely the right thing. And it's absolutely not what we're supposed to do. No. Like, I personally have written that that clause yeah. into a contract and hated myself for it. Yeah. No, the war horse clause. <laughs> yeah. My job is to... Um, somebody asked me, um, somebody came from the financial sector, what I did... I went, uh, and she eventually said, oh, so you deal in arts futures then? Yes! <laughs> Doing arts futures, that's it. I kind of, you know, I kind of went, because actually my job is to find ways in which my venue can benefit from the great work that comes out of it. The great work that will, might potentially come yeah, out of it yeah. in yeah, five yeah, to absolutely. ten years. Yeah. Absolutely, and looking back, you know, looking at our past record... There's a constant yeah. record of great stuff coming yeah. out of our plays. But um, I don't ask anything financially of anyone afterwards other than they talk well of us, you know. Yeah, and they all do. Yeah. Because those financial models matter. It's not my work. Mm. I've created a space and created a conversation mm. around my work, but it's not my work. It's their yeah. work. Yeah. And hopefully... You know, again, you, as far as legacy goes, you can't ride a tiger and you shouldn't even try. You know, it, whatever happens artistically with that space after I've left mm. is purely the responsibility of whoever, whoever takes is. it over. And, you know, I will have, my legacy will be a venue in a really strong position mm. with a huge amount of freedom to do as you wish. Um, an indication that that should be inclusive. Mm. I've just, you know, I've passed the battle. On. That's yeah. it. Whatever happens, I've, you know, I've, I've, I set up a co- theatre co-op from the university and socialist theatre co-op mm. in nineteen eighty four, and you know, once I walked away from that. It was 10 years' work, but once I walked away it from that, I never looked back. It's somebody else's. It's a wholly different piece. But it's theirs, not mine. 
we talk a lot. I feel like quite often I, we, we stray into, you know, everything should be more socialist and then the world would be better whenever we speak. Um, do you have hope? Like some, Because I, I, I had a conversation with the chair of a board of a place the other day and, and, he, and he said something like, you know, what, what do you envisage? What do you think the future will be like? And there's a bit of me that's like, I think the fu- in the future we're all just going to be killing ourselves because it's grim. But also, if you look at political theory, you know, social movements go in cycles and we're really ripe for a more collective, socially minded, um, human way of being. Let's just hang on till we get there. Do you have hope that, like, yeah. this? Yeah. I was a political adult and, you know, um, I. I uh, but you still are. Yes, but uh, that was political adult in seventy nine. Oh, okay, enough. I went through the Thatcher cycle, mm. um, which was more veiled than this, but more ruthlessly anti-art, much more ruthlessly anti-art. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, it turns out that ninety seven wasn't the victory we thought it was. It was just a, you know. Continuation by other means, yeah. but you know, I look at um, I look at what's happening in politics, um, and I kind of go, well, yeah, huge amounts of potential. We're not there yet. We're a long way from there, um, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But there are, I think, there are loads and loads of sort of shoots of possibility and opportunity. Mm. Um, and we need to just be brighter about it, cleverer about it, more thoughtful about it, and actually find ways in which you can... You know, I don't stand up and shout at arts meetings. I don't. I don't. It's... um, Success is my best revenge. (laughs) But, you know, uh, I think the the theatre review will turn up some very interesting stuff Mm. around how work is made and how it's not made and where profit sits within that. Um, Because it's a massively exploitative model right now. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I think, we'll see what, what comes, but I think, you know, proof and puddings and this, that and the other is that it ain't necessarily that model that's um, nurturing. Mm. Um, And what we nurture now will in 10, 20 years' time be the mainstream, mostly. Mm. Um, And I think think the Arts Council probably had a bit of a wake-up call with some of the things that were said there, you know, and... I could have been shouting about this ten years ago, but it's much better to have. But now you've got a perfect model to go look. Yeah, don't have to shout, no. right? Absolutely, and this is why. And this is why mm. you know you create spaces in which possibility is. It's also you know what is subsidy for? What is you know arts investment for? <laughs> What's it for? Because too often it seems to be keeping failing business models in operation. Yeah. You know. 
yeah. you're not good at, but you're not good enough at being commercial. Maintaining the status quo. Absolutely, and you know there isn't a rigor of thinking around, you know, around how we do that, what it's for, what it oh. means. Um, there isn't joined up thinking around fundraising around any of those things you know and fundraising around marketing or around how we audience development and engagement any of those things it's just completely you know not linked up and and therefore unrealistic um you know it it, it's doomed to failure because things do not link up the thinking does not link up so because you, I mean, you sort of got this job by stealth. He didn't tell them you were going to be re- doing all this radical work. I also didn't want it. I also really didn't want it. I'd run a venue before and thoroughly hated the experience. Um, and if I hadn't lost £9,000 worth of work in Bangladesh, I wouldn't have <laughs> done it. Uh, but, you know, I'd had all the shots and everything. It was just kind of booking flights and it yeah. all fell through. Um so and you didn't go, and, and I didn't stay. go, and um, I kind of I needed to find something to do, and I went. I could do it for a couple of years, and then, and then you don't, do you? You start getting interested because no, you care. Because you care, and actually, if I'm going to run a theatre, I'm going to do it well. Well, and just do it differently because mm-hmm. I don't want to be made that unhappy again. Yeah. And actually, I am in a space, I have been offered this, and I've been hugely fortunate throughout my life of, you know, partners supporting me to, you know, to do this, that and the yeah. other, um, and finding myself in a space where a university will support me to, even if by stealth, to, you know, to do the thinking that I need to do. And, and that's what worries me, actually, yeah. about the future, is because, we, you know, we're creating a world where there isn't that generosity around yeah. Your turn now. Mm. Yeah, and and also there's there's such fear. Um, like I find myself having a lot of conversations. A lot of co- the, the question I asked you about um, what what when you took the job, what did you want your legacy to be? Because that's the question they ask you in the, in all of the interviews, right? In five to ten years, where do you see this organisation being? And I can't ever. I mean it. I always have this question in my head do I tell you the truth do I tell you the thing that I think it should be and I want to do or do I lie to you so you give me the job and look like I'm <laughs> you know look like I'm just going to invest in the cafe I was actually I think fairly honest at interviewing mm. um, but then I was you know I, I wasn't necessarily in front of a panel who um, really knew what they were yeah. talking about or <laughs> um, and um My social media presence, as you well know, is very sweary and, and you know, yes. and kind of shouty and opinionated. But actually, um, I'm very, um, very kind. I think in person, mm. I don't often, you know, like I don't stand up often and shout at meetings. I don't kind of get irate like that. Mm. I do always sort of seek to go, how can we help you, you know, with what you want to do by how, by what we do? I'm not going to change what we do, but mm. I'm really willing to think around how it might fit in with what you do. Um, and that, I think, is, you know, is, is kind of useful. Mm. So I don't think I, I don't think I lied at all. 
I probably didn't let them know just how radical it was yeah. going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's just it, it, it's just it's something I've been thinking about recently. Is that you know because everyone's so risk averse, and actually, what what the world and the ecology and the artists need is for people not That's to just be dopey. I mean, being risk averse is dopey. You know. Um, Good business. Yeah, yeah, good, but good they business. are. Yeah, no, but good <laughs> you business. can't go in and go, you're all idiots, do what I say. In difficult circumstances, good business, you know, does not pull its horns in. Mm. No. Businesses that pull their horns in fail. Die. They die. Yeah. Um, you know, we are perpetually told, told, you know, um, told to think in terms of business models and this, that mm. and the other, and business practice and this, that and the other. And it doesn't seem to ever get beyond income and expenditure. It doesn't ever actually look at models. It doesn't and ever organisational culture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and actually, you you look at say the, the arts in America, how they fund it, how they engage in this, that, and the other. It's done in very different ways, mm-hmm. and you know, not necessarily with a, you know with any less good intention. There's a, so there's an interesting thing in that one of the things that I always worry about when it comes to private philanthropy is is that most I don't believe that most people know what needs to be made. I don't know what needs to be made. No. Only the dude that's making it knows. Yeah. And it's so hard to convince anyone Really, I just I, there's a bit of me that thinks maybe it should all just be on a lottery. Maybe there's no, maybe we don't do any of this form filling bullshit. Let's just give fifty people a year X amount of money. See what happens. How bad can it be? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not pitching that as a strategy. I haven't costed that adequately. But <laughs> but as far as that goes, you know, I, I think in many ways my job is to be the umbrella so that the shit doesn't fall on the artist. Mm. My job is to have those conversations and to go, um, radical thinking here matters because um, it's important that mm. we think. It's important that we create spaces. You know, you, you, you're fairly hard-nosed if you disagree with those things, mm. actually. Um, it's important that, you know, but equally... The um, radical artist saying difficult things isn't just somebody standing on a soapbox and saying, I think. It's about them putting ideas in front of other people. Mm. Very often people who are engaged in really profound ways with the things that are being talked Mm. about and that thinking is critiqued and questioned. And you see, in a way, that's how you... Yeah. You can, you know... you, you. that's how you mollify, I suppose, or, or yeah. you know, or, or, ha- or handle those questions about, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know we put in place a pro- you know, a process that if anyone says anything too unsubstantiated and outrageous, they're going to get squished. They're going to get squished because we've created a space yeah. in which you don't like, you don't have to like the work. You know, it, it almost matters to me nothing if you personally like or dislike the work, mm. um, as long as you are respectful of it mm. and you talk about if it's not working for you, exactly why is it not working mm. for you? We will go into those things and into those things and mm. into those things because that's the most useful intelligence I think an artist can get. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so you don't have to like the work. You don't have to believe what the artist is saying because they they have an opinion that. But it you works. have to have the conversation. But you have to have the conversation, and you have to be respectful of the fact that nobody's gone into that room to fuck up. Yeah. Everybody's just doing, you know, yeah. just doing their best, and that can be, you know, your audience member trying to. Really trying to get what, it. what they're saying like or what it, they mean yeah. all this that and the other yeah. all the art is going I believe that <clears throat> yeah so so quickly briefly because we've been talking for a while now talk to me about audiences because I think often audiences are the club bizarrely because they're like they're just te- they're our teammates right but they're so often used as the club with which to beat down anything radical or dangerous or challenging or risky or any of those words that people are frightened of oh you know at the, well, there's, an, there's an assumption that audiences that there is no audience or there isn't a significant audience for rad- radical difficult challenging uh, complex chewy work no but if you operate a you know if you operate marketing practice which is essentially the Habsburgs in operation more people like you know people who are like the people we know you end up with an enormous fucking chore and not able to read don't you, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. yes so yeah. um, isn't there an audience for it well they're probably, well, no, I, they're I mean, probably I think not there is... reached by the means that we yeah so, we so I think because I think I think that there's a massive audience for radical challenging chewy difficult blah 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 yeah. work I think that what there isn't is a way to talk to them. Like, I, like there, there isn't like small pockets, but I don't think no. as an as a as an ecology, no. we fucking know how to talk because to the we, people we want to talk to because we just want money from them. We want money from them, and then we want to be able to sit and do our we little want, thing. No, <coughs> we want to be a shop. Mm. We want to be a shop. We want to sell art. That's what we want to do. We, I mean, essentially, we're a fucking great big gift shop. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there yeah. are mugs and there are tea towels and there are this, that and the other. And, you know. And there are you want to one performances in the Louvre. Absolutely. Couldn't get yeah. flying. All right. So, okay. So, so if you frame it like that, you're not going to be talking to the people who are interested in talking to, you know, who are interested in having um, knotty, you know, chewy conversations. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, and also we've got, you know, we've probably got a 20, 30 year history of just doing things at people. So don't be, <laughs> let's not be surprised when they just go fuck that <laughs> you know I can I can go on an Xbox and I can actually be directly engaged in making something different mm. even if it's within parameters a I have world, a, yeah. I have an have active agency. role I have agency within this mm. and we've created spaces in which people don't have agency um, that's really important palaces of lack of agency is what we've created and you know, and and that's really weird. That's that, really important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know the social media and you know just the internet has changed how we deal with the world, and we expect agency in really profound ways mm. because of those things. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, the theatre world, and you know, all the funding, all the buildings, all the virtual buildings. <laughs> 
the whole bloody system is designed build to be passivity. Yeah. And to build passivity. And, you know, and, and that's historically, I mean, unfortunately, my degree was sort of history of theatre and everything else. I was gutted at the time, gutted that it wasn't more practice-based, but actually it's been so bloody useful. Yeah. This passive, you know, receiver of your art thing is such a specific time frame historically, such a, you know, specific mm. one. Um, and all the spaces that we've built around that you know, we perceive that it will never change. Well, it's this is the weird bit, actually. This is the yeah. this is the bit where we spun off somewhere else and need because to the, re- the thing this the reason that this exists is yeah. for all these people to be active. Yeah, that's the entire reason that yeah. as, a, as a absolutely society we created it. Absolutely. I feel like that's a really nice place to stop. Cool. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.